0: How mad were you at your dad when he pulled you out of school at that point?
1: I was so mad. Of course, I had a boyfriend at the time that I'm pretty sure he was trying to, you know, break that up. But I was not happy. I ended up going to this school. He he drove me to Idaho, which was the same school he went to, drove me to Idaho. I had never seen the school. I'd never met a person. I pull up there and I'm just like, I I felt completely lost. And God and just his perfect divinity. Uh, put me right in contact with the person that I needed, ended up finding a really awesome roommate, just really did invest that time and really did reconnect with the Lord. I had definitely gone through the past, you know, probably four years of some pretty dark stuff. My parents ended up getting divorced when I was a freshman in high school. And from there, my philosophy was really, nobody cares what I'm doing, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. And so I did. And I really just, I knew, because I grew up in a Christian home, I you know, accepted Christ at a church camp when I was eight years old, and really knew that even in my times of, you know, rebellion, that's really what it was. I knew that someday I would turn back to God. I really did. I knew that I wanted, and I knew that he wanted me, but I just wasn't willing to give up at the time, kind of my way.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens, and I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. I want to thank you all for tuning in today. Today, we have a guest, a new friend of mine, Tammy Offermower. How are you doing today?
1: So good. Happy to be there here.
0: There we go. How did I do on the last name?
1: You did awesome. I'm proud of you.
0: Okay, good, because I practiced about 40 times before we got on here. I don't want to act like I just tried to, got that right on the first track.
1: Nailed so. it.
0: How's everything going today?
1: Doing good. How are you?
0: I can't complain. I can't complain. So, it is a it's actually a fall day here in Cleveland. So we uh, it's seventy and sunny, and uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Give it give it an hour. We'll see how long. Are, it you,
1: are you rubbing this in? I'm at a nice Oregon rainy day on the coast over here.
0: So no matter how this goes, once let's say November hits, it'll be cold and snowy here until Mother's Day. True. So. Sure.
1: Okay. I don't feel too bad then.
0: No, you don't. Don't feel too bad. So thank you so much for for doing the show today. I really, really appreciate it. So I'm not going to, I know you have a a limited schedule here, a limited time. So I'm going to go ahead and dive right in. So tell us about yourself. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up?
1: Yeah, so I live currently in Tillamook, Oregon, which is on the coast, and my family's actually lived in Tillamook for over 100 years, so super invested in this community and was one of the kids growing up in high school where all my friends would be like, I can't wait to get out of this town, and for me, I was like, why would you leave? Like, it's amazing, the just the outdoor recreation that we have here, the community feel. I always knew that I would want to come home and raise my kids and family in Tillamook.
0: Okay. So what what made that so important to you to stay there when everyone else was said, okay, I'm ready to get out of here?
1: Well, I think it partly had to do with the fact that, you know, I did grow up with some privilege of knowing that I would move away for college. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it never felt like I was stuck in Tillamook. It felt like a choice, a place that I could go. Um, I could go away, go to school, experience different areas of the world, and then be able to come back. So it really, it it felt like a choice rather than a have to.
0: Okay. I want to ask just a random question then. So Um, what's like, what's like the population like, like how large is it?
1: Yeah. So in the city, like Tillamook Central, it's about 5,000. We always joke because there literally are more cows than people. (laughs) But in the county, it's a pretty big county spread out. There's about 26,000, but that's a long stretch of a long stretch of road, really.
0: Okay, okay. So now I'm really. curious. So how many of your friends moved away versus ended up staying?
1: I'd say half. There's quite a few friends that stayed. I think I think once you experience, you know, a lot of them did go away for college. And I think once they experienced being away from home. It is nice to come home. And for me, it's just, you know, I grew up where it was my aunt's house, my grandma's house, my aunt's house, my aunt's house, all right on the same property. So, you know, that made family gatherings super easy. It just was a really great way to grow up. And I knew that raising my own kids, I really wanted to be around family as well.
0: I hear that a lot about like cleveland too or at least i used to more often than i do now or people are like okay I, I can't wait to to get out of here and i'm like i travel so much for work that cleveland is one of my favorite cities um and yes i'm a little biased because i i live here i i fully admit my bias there but there's no other place I, i'd rather live so i i can empathize i can empathize. Mm-hmm. so you have done a lot in your life so but i and i can't wait to get into some of these questions but how would you say that where you grew up has impacted where you are today
1: i think it's gave me the confidence um and we'll talk a little bit about my roles and why that is but i think it's given me the confidence to know that i'm supported by not only my family, but really a community. Uh, my dir- my husband right now is the director of the Chamber of Commerce. So we're super involved just in community and business. And growing up, my dad was the superintendent of the whole school district. My my entire childhood, he worked within the school district that I went to school in. And so that was really neat to just see him as a leader um, in our community. It helped me just really feel rooted and My grandpa, if you know anything about Tillamook and Tillamook cheese, which, if you don't, I'm going to send you some cheese. We are famous for our cheese. And my grandpa was the CEO of the Tillamook Creamery and he was actually one of the people who started the premium ice cream line that everybody, I mean, if you're from here, you know Tillamook cheese and Tillamook ice cream. And so I, you know, I like to consider myself cheese royalty a little bit, (laughs) but you didn't get anything free, like no free cheese growing up, but it was really fun to just be able to have those deep roots in our community where I knew that the people in my family were amazing leaders and very invested and honestly i wanted to follow in their footsteps and i wanted to also make an impact in this community
0: um you definitely did send me the cheese especially and i guess i'm gonna have to come out there to get the ice cream so that part's probably yeah all right now i gotta i got a reason to get out there now so yeah we'll we'll have to get that going off camera so so where did you where did you end up going to college
1: oh where didn't i i went to three different colleges so i went to A local college about an hour and a half away from town called uh, Western Oregon University and actually played on the girls rugby team there. So that was pretty exciting and maybe had a little too much fun. My dad decided maybe that wasn't the best school for me. So no joke, he did ship me off to a Christian college, which was probably a really good call on his part. So I ended up going to uh, Northwest Nazarene University in Nampa, Idaho for a couple of years and played on the softball team there, which was an amazing. An opportunity to be able to play college softball. Um, I didn't. I. I mean, I grew up playing sports. I was a three-sport athlete. I was the only girl in my senior class to play all three sports. The my entire high school career. So. To be able to go to college and have that experience where they're flying you around different places and all of those things, it felt like the big times (laughs) and it was a really good experience. And then I ended up moving home and moving home to the Pacific Northwest and finished out my college career at Pacific University. And I got my undergrad in education and learning. So really thought I wanted to be a teacher. And then I come from a, you know, my dad was a teacher for 13 years before he was a superintendent. And I changed my career path. It took me five years to finish college, maybe because of that first freshman year when I was playing rugby. But, you know, took me five years to finish college and switched my major probably three times in that and ended up with a degree in education. Got a job quickly out of college, went to work, you know, in a classroom, not as a teacher, but as um, a resource coordinator. And really, my least favorite part of the day was my small group of 25 students doing like a reading class. And I knew then that teaching in a classroom was not the plan God had for me. I knew that he wanted me to teach life and I really wanted to be about heart business. Mm -hmm. I knew that I didn't want to teach subjects in school. That was not my calling yet. I now had a degree in education. So what do you do with that?
0: (laughs) So, I'm going to move backwards just a little bit. How mad were you at your dad when he pulled you out of school at that point?
1: I was so mad. Of course, I had a boyfriend at the time that I'm pretty sure he was trying to, you know, break that up. but I was not happy. I ended up going to this school. he he drove me to Idaho, which was the same school he went to, drove me to Idaho. I had never seen the school. I'd never met a person. I pull up there and I'm just like, well, I, I felt completely lost and God and just his perfect Divinity. Uh, Put me right in contact with the person that I needed, ended up finding a really awesome roommate, just really did invest that time and really did reconnect with the Lord. I had definitely gone through the past, you know, probably four years of some pretty dark stuff. My parents ended up getting divorced when I was a freshman in high school. And from there, my philosophy was really nobody cares what I'm doing, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. And so I did. And I really just I knew because I grew up in a Christian home. I, you know, accepted Christ at a church camp when I was eight years old and really knew that even in my times of, you know, rebellion, that's really what it was. I knew that someday I would turn back to God. I really did. I knew that I wanted and I knew that he wanted me, but I just wasn't willing to give up at the time kind of my way. And so when my dad made that move to to send me to this college, it really was an environment that I was allowed to kind of re-explore my relationship with God. Still wasn't making the best decisions. College can be a crazy time, but it reopened me up to that relationship that I was missing in my life with the Lord.
0: You said something so good. Even though you were living that way, you knew he still wanted you. Totally. That's Yeah. Awesome. It took it took me probably five years to graduate college, also switch my major three or four times. And I partied hard for those three or four years. So at least you learn much quicker than I did. So (laughs)
1: totally.
0: So you said you accepted Christ at a young age and then you kind Mm -hmm. of walk away from that. Okay. And so would you say going back to. So your dad picks you up, moves you to physically moves you states away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Would you say, so that's when you rededicated yourself to Christ or would you say it was still kind of a work in progress at that point too?
1: For sure, a work in progress, but it put me in an environment to be able to say, okay, now I have a choice. Like the majority is no longer, like the majority of the people I was around were not people who were in rebellion. Like they were people who were worshiping God and were having a personal relationship with him. I still had to choose my path and, you know, I didn't always choose it like i should have but it allowed me to be in an environment where that path was a lot easier to choose
0: it's crazy how the environment that you're in can really just affect your your choices it's like i mean we hear it all the time bad company corrupts good character right so but it's it's so crazy how like when you get around you're like no maybe you shouldn't go this way or maybe you should try this but it works the other way just as much when you're surrounded by 50 people who are doing the things that your flesh wants to do. It makes it even harder to, to say no. So shout out to dad for physically removing you from the environment. He's
1: he's a good guy. He's a he's a good dad. He loved me through a lot of stuff. That's for sure.
0: So you, you realize that as a teacher, you didn't want to teach. I think you said 25 kids, 25 students what was the, what was the, what was the changing point there? It's like, okay, I need to get a new job. I need to find something else to to do. I'm not finding this fulfilling. I don't feel like this is the path for me. What, did, how did you transition out of that?
1: Yeah. I feel like it was really the first time where I was faced with, this is what it would look like if I continued towards my licensing for being a teacher. Right. Cause that was my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, do I continue towards what my degree is in and go teach or do I do something different? And I knew the parts that I loved about the job the most were when I got to work with people to to pr- to get resources that they needed to better their lives. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, like, I don't want to teach in a classroom. I want to teach life. And that's really the only way I can explain it. And at that time, I was in this job and I actually found out I was pregnant and ended up Um, It was an unplanned pregnancy and really was pretty nervous about, because at this time I had really rededicated my life to God and was walking on an amazing path with him. But I was really scared to tell my family, even though they're amazing people and I knew they would love me. I felt a lot of shame and guilt around the fact that, you know, I had an unplanned pregnancy and I had just graduated college and this was not the plan I had for me. And the father wasn't involved at all. And Oh my goodness. I mean, just a lot of emotions through that. And when I was working at the school and, you know, had to tell them I was pregnant and all those things, I really started looking at, okay, what's my next step in life? Like where, where does God want me? How do I use my education to be able to go more towards a path? I mean, at that time I was making, you know, $12 an hour. Like I'm about ready to have a baby. I was super low income. Like I got to do something to further my life to be able to make it so that, you know, I can do this so that I can, you know, I can financially support my child. So I ended up, well, actually to to fast forward a little bit, I ended up actually having two unexpected pregnancies when my daughter Faith was born. Um, Six months, she was six months old. And I found out I was pregnant with my second daughter, Aaliyah. So they were 15 months apart. And again, single parent, um, definitely um, no financial support from the father or anything like that. And we, I just knew I needed to do something different. So when they were one and two, Granted, working full-time, raising two children on my own, I thought it was a good idea to go back to school full-time. So I went back to school and then actually ended up getting my master's in human service and marriage and family counseling. After the first trimester of trying to take even two classes at one time, I about died. And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna take this slow and easy. And I took one class at a time, it took me about a year and a half to get through it. But I knew that I wanted to have If I'm going to have an education, I wanted my education to match the path that I was on. And that was really that I wanted to impact people's lives. I wanted to be about heart business. And so that's why I got my master's. And I got that from Liberty University. Um, And it was a master's in human service and marriage and family counseling.
0: I don't know if you and I talked about this when we spoke previously, but my degree from Kent State is in human development and family studies.
1: I love it. I it's knew a, I liked it.
0: Yeah, it's a very similar very similar program. Okay. So I'm glad you didn't die. I don't want to gloss over that part for anyone who's listening. <laughs> so um so you get your master's degree then what? So where where do you go after this?
1: Yeah, so I ended up going back into the school district and working as an instructional assistant, which is funny because I could have taught I could have been making more money teaching, you know, or even substituting because I really was very low income, especially with two kids. I am so grateful for support organizations. Um, I was able to access child care support. You know, I was on food stamps at the time. You know, I had WIC, which is a program for women and infants and children. And I really, without those programs, I would not have been able to work because I was the sole income earner. And I think at that time I probably made $13 an hour and, you know, it just wasn't enough to be able to um, financially do everything on my own. And it was at that time that I had a friend tell me about Habitat for Humanity. And of course, I would have never thought in a million years that I could be a homeowner. And so when somebody came up and they're like, hey, Habitat for Humanity can help you become a homeowner. I was like, whoa, this is something I didn't even think was possible. So I applied for their program and ended up going through their family selection process, having a home visit, all of the things really started making me evaluate my, my, um, uh, my financial situation. So I started paying off debt, just really started to get on a plan financially because I wanted to be a homeowner. I wanted to provide a safe, stable place for my children to live. And I really thought that Habitat would be the path for me. And so when I got the letter that says I was not accepted as a Habitat homeowner, of course I was very sad But I also knew that God had a plan for me. And I knew that his plan would be that someday I would be a homeowner. And someday I would be able to have a stable home for my girls. And at the time that I applied for the program, we were living in what equates to a tiny home. It was about 500 square feet. My uh, Faith slept in one room. My daughter slept in the back laundry room. And like, it was just this tiny little space, but you know, we paid 500 bucks a month. So it was affordable. And I was just, of course, sad to not get the house, but long story short, that led me to really wanting to be a part of Habitat because I saw what they could do to make a difference in people's lives. And so I volunteered to be on their family selection committee just to get involved, just to be like, okay, I'd love to be involved here. And long story short, a few years later, I was hired as their executive director to be able to change lives. And I gotta tell you, I cannot tell you how many people I told, this is the job God created me for. And this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was the executive director at Habitat for Humanity for seven and a half years and loved it, loved every minute of it. Never saw myself leaving, really. I, you know, again, I live in a small community, so I saw all the different kinds of jobs that were here. I knew kind of what kind of work I wanted to be doing. And there were no, there's no other job in this community that I would have gone to instead of Habitat. So for me, it made me go, okay. This is my forever. If I want to live in this community, if I want to serve this community, if I want to be about God's business, this is this is my forever.
0: So for anyone who doesn't know what exactly does Habitat, I mean, Habitat for Humanity, excuse me, what do they do? What's what are they about? What's their mission? Like, can you explain a little bit further about what what goes on in that organization?
1: For sure. And it's funny because I've actually only had one person ever ask me what Habitat is. And I actually laughed. I was like, are you serious? (laughs) So Habitat is the number one nonprofit brand pretty much in the world sometimes, like depending on the year. And so they are super well known for building affordable homes for families. So we have a mission of seeking to put God's love into action by building homes, community and hope. And then the vision is really a world where everybody has a decent place to live. And so with that, I mean, that's a huge mission, right? We know that housing is, it's a hard world out there in housing. So Habitat is really needed to be able to further um, people like me. You know, I was living on one income and never thought home ownership would have been possible. And programs like Habitat allow moms, single moms, you know, uh, they're two-person households as well, the low-income families to be able to afford a home for their families. And so um, that's what Habitat does. And that's what I got to do. And I loved it.
0: So you find so you're in a position now with a Habitat for Humanity. You love what you're doing. You're there for seven and a half years. So why why leave?
1: Yeah, I know because I'm talking past tense. We've already given it away. I ended up leaving, which is crazy. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's still, I was,
0: I was trying to find a way to smooth that over. I'm like, how am yeah. I gonna how am I gonna patch that?
1: <laughs> it's so great. I can't talk and you know I can say I'm still there because I'm not. And so what happened is you know I'm living life. This was about probably six months ago now. I'm living life, loving life, loving my job for the most part. You know, there's definitely things about it. Like housing in general is just a hard, it's a hard push. And I think I really was probably now looking back, wanting to be even more about heart business. Like when you run an entire organization, like, you know, like it's, it's a big, it's a big job and there's a lot of, you know, we're a smaller habitat. so. I had my hands on a lot of things, which is fun because I like variety, but um, I was living life in this job that I pretty much thinks my forever. And then my dear, dear mother-in-law, I love her. Seriously. She recommended Julia's book to me. She basically sent me a picture of it in a text and was like, hey, you need to read this book. And I was like, what? Okay. So I looked at the cover, Dream I Dare You. Okay. Dream I Dare You by Julia Gentry. There it is book changed my life. So I'm like, okay, dream I dare you. And then I read the back and I'm like, okay, like a book on dreaming. What does that even mean? Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm living my dream. I don't really need to read this book, but I love my mother-in-law and I wanted to spend time with her. So I'm like, all right, I'll read the book. So I'm like chapter one. And I'm kind of like, oh, like this is deeper than I thought it was going to be. Like this is, this is more than I thought. And so I keep reading and Julia does an amazing job. She has a workbook that goes with the book. And so I was like, I was doing the work, reading the book, listening to it on Audible while I'm reading it to really solidify the information because it is deep. And as I'm reading it, I'm working through her workbook that goes with it. And I am like, whoa, the Lord started to reveal dreams that I forgot about things that I hadn't thought about in years. And really then when I got to about chapter four, I remember I was just praying. I said, I was in Atlanta actually for a huge Habitat conference. And I was in Atlanta. So I had some time in the evenings. Like I wasn't at home with my family. So I'm working through the workbook. And I just remember praying and being like, okay, God, this is amazing. And everybody needs to know about this. And what you should know about me is that when I believe in something like, I'm going to share it. Like I'm, I'm going to share it with people. I'm a sharer of information. And so I am praying and I say, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? Like, what do you, you, what do you want to do? And he just so clearly said, learn it for yourself first, and then you can tell the world. And I was like, first of all, the world, I thought he was talking about Facebook. Like, I really thought like, okay, so you want me to learn it for myself before I post it on Facebook to tell people like, okay, that's a weird thing for God to say. I'm just, just being honest. Like I was a little like, I, in my head, I'm like, but Lord, you know that when I like something, I'm just going to tell people about it. And he's like, no, you need to learn it for yourself first. Then you can tell the world. And I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll move on. So I keep working through the work, but at this time I was really curious who this Julia Gentry, the author of Dream, My Dare You, who is this person? And so of course, like any good researcher, I get on her Facebook and start stalking her there and all the things. And I noticed that she was hiring for a part-time director of operations, like super part-time, nothing I can leave my job for. But I knew that I was supposed to be involved. And I knew that I was supposed to um, help spread this message. I mean, really. And again, I'm literally on chapter four. I haven't even finished the book. And I'm like, everybody needs to know this. And so I emailed her the application, filled it out. She ended up emailing me back. And granted, I am still over in Atlanta. So I'm still over in Atlanta doing the big Habitat thing. God's doing a huge work just in my role with Habitat. He just put me right where I needed to be to to complete some of the work that he'd called me to there. And so I get an email back from her and end up uh, scheduling a Zoom call And I'm sitting, my staff are in eating dinner, and I'm literally sitting on the edge of a garbage can in an empty parking lot, like Zooming with Julia. And it was an awesome call. I connected with her right away. At that point, I'd been watching her YouTube channel. She has amazing teachings on YouTube. And so I'd been watching her, so it kind of already felt like I knew her. She didn't know me. I'm just the lady who's like, hey. (laughs) think I want to work for you. Don't know what that means. And I was really upfront with her that, you know, I have a full-time job that I'm really invested in. That um, You know, I, I get paid well, you know, I've worked my way up to where I am and like, I, I can't, you know, I can't I'm like, I'll, I'll help you, but I can't quit my job, you know? And so she ended up, we had that conversation and I was like, all right, I could work from you from like six to 8 a.m., five days a week, like kind of figuring out how I could schedule my life and the things I was doing to just be involved. And so the next day she texts me, I will never delete our texts because they're like my favorite. She texts me and she said, what would it take to bring you on full time? And I was just kind of like, what? Like never in a million years would I have ever thought that that would even be possible because she was posting for a part-time position. So I'm like, "There. like, how do you make that leap? And so I had nothing to lose, right? And I'm just like, well, this is what you need to pay me. And okay, like I'm willing, I'm definitely willing to look at this option, but really just no idea how how that would happen. And I will tell you, I went home from that conference so nervous to talk to my husband. I mean, hey, honey, I think I'm supposed to quit my super secure, really important, you know, amazing job to go work for this author whose book I'm reading right now. And he's a champ. He's also an aide on the Enneagram, if you know anything about Enneagram. So he's very like black and white. Give me the details, like pretty concise in the way he communicates. And he basically was like, I'm going to need more details. And So so that really started our journey of, you know, meeting Julia and her husband, Travis, and really talking with them about my vision and again, where God had called me really to be about heart business and working with people. And I love the operations side of running an organization. And I had no idea that, um, That that would end up turning into a full time job as the director. I'm going to say my title because it's the best. The director of dreams and operations for Julia Gentry, and I just it's been amazing. I've been with her now for five months, and it's been it's been the best ride.
0: It's a pretty cool title. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little jealous. (laughs) It's, um, it's, it's kind of, it's cooler than president and founder of Redwood Christian Ministries title. It's it's pretty cool. I like it. I like it. I'm at a couple of new name for what I'm doing over here.
1: It's, it's evolved into that. It was just the director of operations, but I'm like, really, we're, we're over here directing dreams and operations.
0: How long was, was the transition from Habitat for Humanity to now, to the position you have now at the, at the Dream Factory?
1: Well, when I first talked to Julia, you know, was sitting on the edge of the garbage can, there was about a month from that first conversation to actually coming to the place where our families knew that this would be the right fit, right? That definitely, it took some, I mean, actually, to be honest, I said no to the job twice. So that's just, and it was it was some limiting things, and it all had to do with financial. So working for a nonprofit, I'm sure you know, but I had public loan forgiveness uh, with my student loans for my master. I had about twenty thousand dollars that was going to be forgiven in nine months. Nine months, my student loans were going to be forgiven if I stayed working for a nonprofit, and so now we're kind of at this you know, Hey, I know that I'm supposed to do this, but if I leave my job, I have to pay back that $20,000 that I have literally been working the past 10 years in the forgiveness program. So at one point that was a time where I had to be like, this doesn't make logical financial sense for my family. Like, Hey, maybe I'll come back. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll come work for you in nine months after this has been, you know, Uh, forgiven. And I reached out to my mother-in-law. I actually had a whole email drafted to Julia and it was like, Hey, love to work for you, but I've got this student loan, all these things. And I sent that email to my mother-in-law. Hey, read this. She's like, are you open to feedback? And I did not tell her yes, but she proceeded to tell me, I think you're being a little lukewarm. And I was like, of course at the time, I'm reading Julia's dream book. I know that God has called me to this work, but I really couldn't get past this financial part of like, is this even smart to leave this much money sitting on the table when you're so close to having it forgiven? And No, it didn't make logical sense. But after kind of wrestling through that and my mother-in-law, bless her heart, she was my biggest supporter through this whole thing of just saying, no, you can do this. I know it's scary, but God's got a plan. And like, she was my number one cheerleader throughout this whole process. And I can't thank her enough for that. But I was able to talk with my husband and just say, look, like, I can't let this, even $20,000, which is a lot of money. I can't let this keep me from moving forward in what I know God has called me to do. And not that what I was doing wasn't great and wasn't important work and all of those things, but I knew God was calling me to this. And so we left it on the table and we said, okay, Lord, we know that you're going to provide. We know that you will come and you will, you will figure all that out and we will work through it. And my husband, I have never felt so supported and so chosen by the way that he allowed me to walk forward in my dreams with with support you know and i'm just so grateful to be where we are and then you know a few months later there's some legislative things that come out and 10,000 of that is going to be forgiven through some programs that have come out so that cut my debt in half and now i just have 10,000 and we might even have some more qualifying payments that could take that down even more so we're just believing and knowing that even though it was hard when I'm looking at the the actual tangible financial, because a lot of times people don't dream because of the financial or because, you know, even going from what looked like a stable job working for Habitat to something that like, I have no idea. I'm only Julia. I'm Julia's only employee. Like, I don't know their finances. I don't know any of that. So it was really moving from something really stable to something that could or could not work. And so that was a scary leap to make and one that I know God was with me every step of the way in that decision. And I feel, I mean, looking back, I felt his presence and I feel his presence even more knowing that now my story I can share with people who are at this crossroads of they're like, can I do this? Can I follow my dreams? Because I'm going to bet you not following their dreams has something to do with financial. And so I'm here to tell you, like, God will work it out, even when it doesn't make sense. And even when you have to leave $20,000 sitting on the table, like, he's gonna work it out. And I trust him in that.
0: It's hard to sometimes explain to people that like money really isn't everything. Like, I know people because I do major gift fundraising for a living. I have sat with some very rich, wealthy and powerful people. And I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt, they're miserable. They they have every car they have multiple homes all over the united states and they have i i when i talk to them i can hear how some of them are literally just miserable in in their lives and it's and they have everything that the world says is 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 successful right you you can't out god and no. it's and it's you it's it's crazy unless you really walk it out and live it out the more and more you give to God, the more and more you start to see in return. And that return isn't always financial. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's 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 health, right? The health of of a loved one or the health of a family, or sometimes He just blesses you in ways that you can see His hand all over your your life. You know, I before like I got saved, I used to tell people, "You don't get back the money you leave on the table." Since like I got saved, I stopped saying that because I'm like. If you are given to the kingdom of God, watch what God does. It will multiply.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And even like the being as blessed as, you know, again, like at the beginning, I told I told Julia, knowing like she was only looking for a part time position. I told her, hey, this is what I'm going to need to make to be able to match my salary of where I'm at. And I can say that she honored me in that. And she paid me what I asked and, you know, through some back and forth and how that would work. But. I love the fact that not only did she choose me as her employee and someone to help run this amazing company um, to really change lives, but she chose me by choosing to invest for me. She always tells me I'm her greatest investment. And I feel that from her. And I love knowing that um, that I get to give back to her because she's given me so much. I now work from home in my this my little cottage in my backyard that I'm standing in. My house is 10 feet away. I got to work at home. All my kids were home this summer. Thankfully, they're 12 and 13, so they could keep themselves entertained. And they're very good at my color code on the door. Red, are you dying or bleeding? Don't come in. You know, yellow, come on in, say hi. Purple, come on in. It's a party. Like they got that. They got my color code system down. But the fact that I am able to not only be present for my children, while they're at home through these years, you know, they're only going to be home five more years and that I get to just I am thriving and working from home. and I could have never imagined that I would have this opportunity. you know, I've done some of the um uh, network marketing jobs because I would have loved to have worked from home, but it just didn't work out for me in that regard. but I I envisioned what it would be like to be able to have more flexibility to travel or just not have to be in one place. but I never could have thought that I would have a full-time job that I not only love, like it feels weird calling my job a job, like it is a ministry, like it is definitely a ministry so much more than a job. It is a passion that I get paid for and that uh, checks all the boxes, but it also has allowed me, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned I've learned a lot from Julia, but when I, I still, I'm, I always tell her I'm her biggest fan. Uh, Her YouTube channel is incredible. The lessons that she does, her podcast uh, with her husband, I watch every single episode right when they come out and I've learned so much. And one of the big things is that I learned about kind of this dreaming process is I had no idea I was putting myself in a box, you know, again, super invested in this community I've been here my whole life. It's just what I saw for myself. But with this job, it has really allowed me to kind of open up and be like, okay, God, like maybe there's more for me outside of the community that I live in. Like when God said, learn it for yourself first, then you can tell the world. I believe him. I believe that I'm supposed to help take this message to the world and help other people know that there is more out there than just fine. Okay. And good enough life. Like there's so much more. And I really am living proof of what just, I mean, really it started with reading a book dream. I dare you changed my life. And now I get to help change other people's lives by making them aware of this resource and then helping walk alongside them to dream, dream bigger.
0: Hmm. So that brings up this question. Um, what advice would you give someone looking to pursue their dreams?
1: I think have have I mean in my story look I share about my mother in law and I share about my husband supporting me and I think it's about surrounding yourself with people that are going to support you in following your dreams because it really matters who you're around it really matters who's in your corner because if my mother in law would have been anybody else and I would have sent her that you know hey. You know, I, I can't can't take the job because of these student loans. If I would, have, that does not make logical sense to leave $20,000 on the table. But because of my mother-in-law and because of her relationship with God and the conviction she has in her life to live boldly and authentically, she called me out. She called me out. I was not happy at the time, but I thank her for it now. But she just said, you know, I think you could do better. And I think that's lukewarm and all those things. And I I think the biggest thing about dreaming is is finding people that are going to support you in that. And, you know, it would it I would not be doing my job if I did not also say here that we've created that community. There is a with Julia. She has a membership site called Dream Together where you can join. It's twenty nine dollars a month, which is nothing. Twenty nine dollars a month where you get to join a community of dreamers where you can really dream together and be a part of something that you know, makes you, makes you, first of all, accountable to continuing on the path to dreaming because Julie always says dreaming is not for the faint of heart. Like this is, this is not easy. It's those, all those choices I made up until where I'm at today, those were not easy choices, but they were, they were the choice. They were my, I can't not do this.
0: So if um, Julie is a friend of this show for sure, because And I don't know if you're aware of this, but so she brought the the dream conference to New Life Church in Lakewood, Ohio. And one of the questions that was asked was, what's your conviction? What's the one thing like you will not budge on? And I wrote down being rooted in Christ. Mm. That's the one thing I will not budge on. That's the one thing I won't compromise on is being rooted in Christ. And if you look at the name of this podcast, <laughs> after the conference, when God made it clear to me that He wanted me to do this, He's like, This is the name of the podcast. I want you to name this podcast, Rooted in Christ. And I started fighting God on it. And I started coming up with all these other things, and none of it stuck. None of it fit. Every other name was either taken. So you fast forward a couple of weeks, I said, All right, let's just run with Rooted in Christ. Nothing. There was nothing in there that said, um, if someone searches this, it's going to be a attraction from your audience, or they're not going to be able to find it. No, it pops right up. It's it's crazy. So
1: wow, I, mean, I didn't I, know that.
0: Yeah, there's actually we're working on doing a whole testimony episode behind Redwood Christian Ministries, how the whole thing got started, how the podcast got started. And there's just all these stories like that that have just fallen in into place. So if you're her biggest fan, I'm a very close second. <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll I'll let you hold that place with me. i, I that'd be an honor. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll take I'll take spot number two, or maybe number three. I don't know who else she knows. So I should probably <laughs> I'll back off a little bit. But um, but it's it's a it's amazing how how God just weaves those pieces and parts together of of our life story. You never you never know who you're going to run into or what they may say. But it's important to have those right people around you just to say no. You can do this. Like no, don't let money stop you from from living. Yeah. And that's not a a good reason not to try. So
1: Right, right. I got to tell you, when you brought up the word thing, because one of the things that Julia does such a great job of is in the book, you really identify your limiting beliefs, the things that are keeping you from moving forward in your life. And so I was able to identify those. And then from there, she really walks you through the tools of how do you come up? with a conviction that you can basically live your life by. And so I'm working through, working through. I'm like, all right, Lord, what is it? Like, live faithful, live what? Like, how do I want to live? And I'm working through. I had draft after draft of all of these different um, things, you know, all these different words. And then all of a sudden my husband was actually off playing board games. We were in Mexico at the time while I was finishing up Julia's book. And while I was deciding whether or not to move forward with this job and he was playing a board game with uh, some friends. And I just remember thinking, Oh, I wish he'd choose to hang out with me instead of them knowing full well that I could go play with them. Like I was invited. I just (laughs) was having a little pity party. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, that I want to live a life where I live chosen, where I know that I am so chosen by God, that I don't even need other people to choose me because it's already done. Like if I'm chosen by God, there's I no longer need people's approval. I don't need people to to, you know, all the all the things that I felt like, oh, my husband should do this because then I'll feel chosen. If he only said this, then I'll feel chosen. No. I need to live from such a place of conviction that I already know I'm chosen. And so all of a sudden I was like, that's my conviction is to live chosen. And I'm like this, like I'm literally standing like this, like, that's it, God. And then I look down and no joke. I have a tattoo. Guess what it says?
0: I'm going to guess chosen.
1: It says chosen. <laughs> it was already written on my head my arm. It was already written. And I kind of looked down and I was like, (gasps) like, it just was this moment of like, wow, God, you are so good. Like, you know, the desire of my heart. And now because of Julia's book and the tools she's given me, that is really where I live today. Yes. It's a daily battle, right. Of like living chosen, but I know what my limiting beliefs are. And they're all related to not feeling chosen. So anytime I start to feel feelings, I can literally go back to no, I am chosen. And that has been a radical, radical realization for my life. And that I, I mean, and again, like I was telling you, I feel chosen by Julia to be her director of operations, to get to do this work with her. I feel chosen by my husband because he allowed me to step out and follow my dreams, even when it didn't make sense. And that is the most beautiful place to be. First of all, knowing that God has chosen me mm-hmm. before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless uh-huh. and that he has called me for a plan and a purpose. And I know that he has called me. I know that I am chosen. And now my job is to follow after him with uninhibited, right? Uh, with, with abandon, just wherever he calls me. And I know for a fact, I'm exactly where he's called me.
0: You should put that in a sermon and go stand there and shout that from the mountaintops. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's
1: my plan. Every Dare to Dream conference that we're doing, which we have one coming up in Florida, it's our first Dare to Dream conference, November 4th and 5th. And then from there, we get to go to Denver. And then from there, we just booked today. This is like nobody even knows this. Oh, wow. We just booked. we're going to Texas in go. September. Congrats. So just the Dare to Dream is going to be out there. And I think the cool thing is, is that. I don't come I don't come to this place where you know I'm trying to sell a book or sell a curriculum or sell a conference. I am selling what I have been given. <clears throat> I am selling the fact that my life has been changed through this woman who also followed a dream. Julia followed a dream to write this book. That is not an easy process. It's a very vulnerable thing to do. It's it doesn't make sense sometimes and she stepped out And because of her obedience to step out in that dream, it has affected me. And I get to hear people every week who are giving testimonies about how this book also has impacted their life. And I can't believe that I have a job, a ministry that I get to share my story over and over again with people. And you asking me to share, I mean, it was like, I love, I love to be able to share this because I know that somebody here needs to hear this.
0: It's her yes for Julia's yes, for example, also impacted this podcast because she was our first guest. So if anyone was looking for reference, they can head back and check out the the first episode of this show was with with Julia Gentry talking about, are we doing the thing that we're supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you know, this leads into some of my, my next couple of questions, but our testimony, our life story is for someone else. Yes. No, and it's it's one of those things that God didn't just have us go through it just to go through it, you know. It's it's it can show other people how real God is in our lives. So, and I know you, I mean, you clearly have a passion for this. So, to anyone listening, why would you encourage someone to bring this conference to their church or to their city or to their organization?
1: Well, ditto to everything I've already said, (laughs) but also the thing is, is you just don't know how it's going to impact. You don't know how it's going to impact you personally, and you don't know the ripple effect that's going to happen from that as well. So, you know, starting with reading the book, and that's really the first starting place is getting a hold of this book. It's always better to do it with a group of people so that you can grow alongside each other. But the great thing is, is Julia is on a road for Uh, being a really dynamic speaker. So she would love to come into your churches. She would love to come into your groups and be able to teach this material in a way that really does land. It just lands. I've never heard anyone that hasn't come in contact with Julia or this work that says, "Ah, I didn't really get anything from it. I mean, she's batting a thousand from, from what I've heard. And so the conferences are just another way to take it to the next level to just say, no, We've seen this work in action. We're going to take this to our whole church or we're going to take this to our our whole organization. And um, from there, it just we allow God to walk in and do whatever God wants to do with that.
0: So you always use your testimony to encourage the people. It's talking about you specifically. Tell me a little bit about a ministry because you you attend Living Water Fellowship Church. Talk to me a little bit about the Embrace Grace Ministry, and did you and did you start that ministry?
1: No, Embrace Grace is an amazing organization. I want to say they're in. I think the last numbers I saw, they're in about over seven hundred churches in the United States, and it started really as just a group of women who got together um the founder has an amazing story about going in you know getting ready to get an abortion and ended up fainting and her name's Amy Ford she fainted and ended up you know leaving the abortion clinic and then ended up raising her baby and has an amazing testimony of all that but she found herself seeing where she was at that there were other girls you know young girls women who had unexpected pregnancies and really had no resources to be able to um, kind of walk through that. It's a very scary time. As I said, I was a single mom and I had two girls unexpectedly. And um, before I got married, my I, I raised them for about three years on my own. And that was a really scary time. But thankfully I had family to support me. A lot of girls don't. A lot of girls have nobody in their corner to even tell them congratulations. Because when you're when you have an unexpected pregnancy, people really don't know what to say to you. They're like, oh, sorry. Congratulations. Like, huh? So, and especially going into churches, like that was a really hard thing for me to stay engaged in my church when I found out I was pregnant because I really felt judged. And that was my own, that was my own stuff to work through. But now through Embrace Grace, at we started a chapter. So it's our own Embrace Grace within our church under the umbrella of a bigger organization. And they provide all of the resources. And through reading Julia's book, that was one of the dreams that I had completely forgotten about. Mm. God gave me a testimony of being a single mom and walking through that. And I had never really done anything with that to help other women who are also in the same situation. And now we have a group where we meet every Monday and we get to just breathe life and love into these into these babies and their moms, and we get to just be a part of their journey. We get to throw them a really big baby shower and bless them with, you know, gifts and help them feel loved. And without, you know, with Julia's book, that really showed me that I had a dream inside of me that I didn't even know I had that, that I didn't even know was possible. And then for me to be able to connect with Embrace Grace and have that be the avenue in which God could use me, Um, It's been the most amazing and incredible and scary. It's always scary to start something new. We actually started the program geared up. We're all ready to go. I've got my volunteers in place and crickets. We had no girls. And we're like, no, God, no. So at first I thought, "Okay, this is this is not going to work. Maybe I've got other things going on. I just started this new job with Julia. Like maybe that's not really the dream God had for me. And so I was ready to just kind of lay it down and be like, all right, well, we tried. No, no, that that was not God's plan. And thankfully, I have a great co-leader, uh, Andrea, who's my really good friend. And she's like, no, we have to do this. And so we started gathering our volunteers and just spending a couple of weeks praying. And then it was like we had three girls and we got emails and calls. And now we have three girls going through the program. And just this is our first group, but by the time people are watching this, maybe it'll be our 20th group. And we just know that there is nothing right now in Tillamook County that a support group for girls who have unexpected pregnancies. And so we love, I love my church because they're very community minded. And so I love the fact that I get to be a part of, um, again, changing lives. like Like the theme is, is really being about heart business. Like, I think that's why I'm here. I know that God's called me to this. I know that God's called us all to this, but I can only speak for me and that he's putting me where he wants me. And then it's just about dreaming big enough to be able to say yes.
0: This was the first time ever that my mic has actually fell off my desk. This was great. That was great. You're hey, telling.
1: We, we call that drop the mic, right? Yeah,
0: you told this great story and over here trying to catch my equipment. That's phenomenal. <laughs> So when you, when this program started there, you got involved with this program. Is it, so is this your church and in anyone in the community? So how, how does that work? How does the word spread about that? Cause this is obviously a phenomenal ministry. I think more people should, should know about.
1: Yeah. It, well, Embrace Grace, it, it really only spreads by our mouths. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, you know, you only know about it if somebody's told you about it. And so for us, we just market it um, as best we can through Facebook, really, I should probably get on some more radio and this will be helpful too, talking about it on a podcast, but it is an incredible ministry and they're just, the structure they've set up for leaders is like nothing I've ever seen. The resources that Embrace Grace provides us, they have videos, they have all the curriculum, they have all the leader guides. It is so well done that if somebody listening to this also has a story, you know, as a single mom or really feels called to be a part of embrace grace starting it do it look up embracegrace.com and literally their staff is incredible they are an incredible staff of people who i mean a lot of them have also been through the program and just an incredible program to start every community needs an embrace grace every community
0: so i've got you here for about seven more minutes i know you said you have another another meeting so If someone were to ask you why they should follow Jesus, what would you tell them?
1: I'd say, why not?
0: There you go. I
1: mean, kind of like, I I don't know what else to say except for why not? Why wouldn't you? I mean, just the, well, I know why not. Honestly, like I can say, I can say that the reason people don't follow Jesus is because they've been hurt by man.
0: Mm, And I think for
1: me, my responsibility is to help heal that hurt. And I think when I talk about like heart business, it's really about being in 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 the healing business of hearts. And I think a lot of that, there's a lot of church hurt out there. There's a lot of people who have misrepresented Christ. I'm I've been one of them. I mean, I've lived hypocritical in my life and all the things, but God has called us as believers to love people well, to love people the way that He loves them. And I think that's um, following Jesus is easy. it's it's following the Jesus that man has preached to you that can sometimes be hard. And I'm here today to just say, get to know him on your own. Get to know him apart from what people have told you or apart from how he's been represented to you by fallen man because we are not perfect. We are not Christ. And I just uh, uh I think I think that's all I can say is why not? What do you have to lose?
0: That's good. That's good. I've, my, I've tried everything else. Why not try Christ? Right. Like, Why not? Why not? So this time has flown by, unfortunately, but that means we just have to have you back. That's what that means. That's what that means. We have to bring you back for another episode. So that brings me to the final segment of this show. This is our let them know segment. This is a part where you can share anything you like, promote anything you like, put a word out there that God may have put on your heart. So the floor is yours, Cammie. Let them know.
1: I think I've done a really, um, I think I've kind of promoted along the way. Uh, I I mean, I, I don't have anything else to promote except for just, I want to tell Julia, like I just want to tell her. So Julia, I know you're going to listen to this. And I just want to tell you that I am so grateful that first of all, you chose to write Dream I Dare You because it has changed my life like not just of the fact that I get to work with you because that's pretty amazing but it's changed my life to where I truly believe I'm exactly where God has me and the peace in that and the peace in knowing that he has a plan and a purpose for me for this life because I only get one um that I get to live out this life really making a difference for the kingdom and that's because of you and because of your obedience to following your dream. And I just love you. And I'm so proud of you. And I can't wait to just continue seeing where God takes us.
0: That's a, that's a lesson for all of us, right? That our yes and our obedience is going, can, can, and will impact someone else. Yeah. So Cami, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, I really appreciate you taking this time just to, just to share your life story with us. Thank you so much for your, your transparency and I look forward to having you back on the show again in the future. So.
1: Thank you, Eric. It was so fun.
0: Thank you. I look forward to talking to you.
1: You too.